Welcome to episode 46 of the UK Sports Chat podcast. I'm Joe Williams and in today's episode we have the first of our guest hosts. Today Andy Lane, Professor of Sports Psychology at the University of Wolverhampton is our host and he is interviewing his friend Greg White. Greg White, OBE, is a former Olympian and sports scientist. He won European bronze and world championship silver medals and competed in two Olympics, representing Great Britain in the uh, modern pentathlon. Greg has been involved in Comet Relief. His role has been to train and coach celebrities who do the challenges uh, and sport relief, uh, the charity challenges such as comedian David Williams, uh, John Bishop, James Cracknell, Cheryl Cole, Gary Barlow, Eddie Izzard, Davina McCall and more. Um, if you listen to hear the two professors talking about goals, coaching Olympians, creating beliefs, confidence and motivation, adapting your training and, and loads more. There's really lots in this. If you uh, have any comments, please get in touch via our social media channels or you can email info at ukrunchat.co.uk. In the meantime, have a fantastic week and over to Andy and Greg. Welcome, everybody. Here we have Andy Lane and Greg White, two professors, two professors that have known each other for over 30 years. I think that's right. I know, I know, I know. He like has it. tried it to hide like from it. me. <laughs> Uh, he has tried to hide from me, but I have found him each time. He hasn't tried. <laughs> and what um, Greg is a um, world famous sports scientist. Um, he's a two time Olympian. Two time Olympian. Um, I remember him training for the third Olympics. I, I shared, uh, I stayed at his, his house for a while where he used to practice the shooting above my head, which was um, a, a sign of the difficult times. Oh, so I know that, and that's, that's why he didn't. I was. Quite... I was actually. <laughs> and I didn't get you. <laughs> uh, that is why my hair is looking so thin. Uh, the bullets wasting off the top. Uh, Greg Moore is more well known recently for all his work with celebrities, um, doing some amazing cha- challenges. Uh, David Walliams first swam the Channel, which um, I at the time we at the time it was an amazingly difficult it remains an amazingly difficult feat uh, and if anyone ever thinks about doing that they just need to go down to the sea and start swimming out and fit and they have the bite of the cold look out and think oh only another 23 miles to go or so how difficult that how difficult that challenge is and how and hopefully we'll get through this today how the mindset of someone goes from that is an enormously difficult challenge that I am prepared to take on and I am I think I have a good chance of of um, being able to do so that's what we're going to be trying to fish out Greg's got lots of um, he's got a book achieve the impossible um, which is absolutely fantastic and a website called the why answer which I think is also is is excellent so Greg welcome thank you Andy very kind (laughs) and you found me again here I I am hiding in the office and you found me (laughs) so Greg, t- tell us a little bit about um, some of the exploits you've got up to in terms of working with um, people to do some of the amazing things. What's kind of what's the highlight of all of those things? What's the bit the biggest challenge we've, you've gone through? That's an interesting question, actually, Andy, because I think I mean there's such a breadth. Um, mm. I think obviously the most well-known ones are the sport relief and comic relief challenges. Mm. And I've looked after 32 of those, believe it or wow. not. So 
uh, which, you know, from a run perspective, everyone will remember uh, Eddie Izzard, 43 marathons in 51 days, um, but but many of them included running. Davina McCall, we ran a marathon at the end of a of an ultra from an ultra triathlon from um, Edinburgh down to London. We ran 30 miles, around 30 miles with um, John Bishop in the Arc to Arch, you know, so actually a lot of them have included running uh, through that. But actually, I think, I mean, and they have been great challenges and, and really fabulous, really very special. But I think probably it's the ones um, with others that I've that have been some of my, you know, most epic challenges. So I remember training four women to swim across the English Channel, which was just probably my favourite challenge of all time. But I've worked with um, a heart transplant patient, a guy called Kevin Mashford, absolutely amazing. I trained the first paraplegic James Wood to swim across the English Channel. I mean, that was that was some going. That was a really amazing achievement. Um, and then and and then actually last year, probably the most recent one, we broke. I had a client from the US, and we broke the world record for seven marathons on seven continents. Um, and and I, I, when I say this, I still think to myself, that can't be right. But including the flight time and the running. So flight time and running, seven continents. We did it in 81 and a half hours, uh, which is just, you know, just truly phenomenal. And that was with, with a guy who'd never run a marathon before. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's quite a breadth of different things. Um, and and I, I, I love it, as you can tell <laughs> from all the ones mm -hmm. I've done. But, but when they come to you and they describe this, um, how, what's the sort of breakdown point? So where, where do we start the training? And quite often, because we've worked with some of the ultras insurance before, is that often people want to a get into be doing something and want to get into some enormous amounts of training, and it's in sort of sort of how to sort of charter them through where you're at now and where you've got to go to, because it's re I find that one of those yeah. really difficult parts because they often want to start too close to the end, and the bit close to the end is often not quite near where they think it's no. going to be. No. Absolutely right. Mm. I, I, it's, it's funny because there's multiple stages in it. And I think it, it really does. You know, the importance of, of a coach, I think, is, is understanding and establishing who the performer is and what that performer is and how they tick and try and understand them. Because it is a very much a bespoke approach. I, I think, you know, sometimes you sort of think, oh, it's just cut and paste them. All they do is just cut and paste the program in. But it's not. It, it really is about understanding that. And, and you know, at one end of the spectrum, the work I've done with Olympians is the big problem you've got with those guys is that they overdo it just too much, too much volume. Mm. Uh, and, and they're so desperate for it and they will bang things in. And listen, me and you have worked with Olympic athletes uh, on a number of occasions where, where what you find is they, they've got secret training that <laughs> actually in their mind, what, what, what's really interesting about it? And, and I think that there, it's akin to, to, you know, other disorders, things like obesity is that it's the interpretation of what they're doing is slightly different. So I, I remember one athlete, a very famous athlete, um, Olympian, who, um, who was clearly overtraining, she had all sorts of problems, she had uh, um, loss of menstrual uh, function, so she had amenorrhea, she had low bone mineral density. And, and I, I, I sat with her about the training she was doing, she noted down the training. I looked at it, I thought, well, that's, not, that's not that much. So I said to her, look, what we're going to do is pop an acti uh, actigraph on you. So just some wearable tech and we'll just see what you're doing. Every morning, every morning, every day, 90 minute run, which wow. he hadn't written down on the bit of paper. Yeah. And I questioned her about it. And I said, is, that, is this exactly what you're doing? She said, yeah, yeah, it's exactly what I'm doing. And I said to her, you know, what, 
what's this 90 minutes oh oh that's just a that's just a warm-up for the for the mm. day 90 minutes a day every mm. day you know and i think and, and to her it wasn't a run it was mm. just a shakeout you know Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. And then, of course, you know, the other end of that spectrum is actually working with people who simply do not understand how difficult it's going to be, mm. who don't have the same understanding of self, um, who, you know, I mean, the classics of those with the sport relief and comrade relief, people who, who are, to some extent, physically illiterate. They'd never really been into sport. They never really, mm -hmm. don't really, didn't really understand themselves and how to develop that in themselves. Um, and, of course, the approach at either end of that spectrum is incredibly different about how you structure training mm. and, and of course everybody lies somewhere on that continuum mm. and what you're trying to do is discern who they are where they are on that continuum and then actually create the bespoke program for them to make sure that you optimize what they're doing yeah um yeah did, did, do they get into do they get into in their, their goals and that sort of thing and is and monitoring it and and then judging where they close, how they're close to getting to it. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, for, for me, goal, goals are everything. I think you know the, mm. any any structured plan, any periodized plan has to have goals. You can't you can't mm. create a plan without goal setting. It's as simple mm. as that. Um, and and I think you know, it, and that's the long term goal. Obviously, what we're trying to do, we're trying to run forty three marathons or swim the channel or mm. you know break the world record. You know that that's the long term plan, but then the the, the medium term plans. What what are the key markers within that medium term? So you know, for for a marathon, for example, you know, it's like, you know, if you want to run a three hour marathon, you got to be able to run a one twenty half. So that there's there's your medium term goal straight away about running that. But of course, back downstream from that, if you want to run a one twenty half, you've got to be able to run a thirty six sub ten k, and so therefore you've got to be able to run a circa seventeen minute five k. You know, and, and we can talk about those calculations and algorithms, et cetera. But to some extent, what, what the main goal creates the medium term goal and the short term goals within that. And what's crucial is that, you know, what what our job as, a, as, as coaching mm -hmm. is, is to make sure the athlete understands. Now, now, again, some athletes need that information. They need data. They need those 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 uh, lines in the sand very definitively. And they, and they measure themselves on it constantly, Where, whereas others it means absolutely nothing to them and again you have to nurture some people to move towards them others you have to rein them back so they're not racing at it trying to get that that medium term goal too early because what what will happen is they'll break down they'll be injured or sick but but 100 you know goals are everything and without without the framework of those goals if you think about it in, in human terms it's like the skeleton mm. those goals create the skeleton around which you're going to place the meat which is the which is the training sessions in order to to reach those goals so you're absolutely right goals are key and i mean within i agree completely and what i find with lots of the endurance athletes it does it does differ by sport but is that they are quite outcome focused in terms of they're looking at the you know, how fast it takes to an x distance and judging and their judgment, they get quite negative when they don't get the good time that they want to. And in training, they miss out on those times. And almost inevitably, in my mind, because the, the course is not set up for them to go that quickly, for starters, and their mind is not set up to go that quickly from the start. Um, and I try to encourage them to get a process mindset and it, how that varies from sport by sport. And, and th thinking, I've been doing a lot of, of 
um, concept to rowing you do not escape ongoing feedback that's the first bit and that seeing that is brutal trying to cover it up is very difficult you sort of say to someone think of a process goal and they go what's a process goal and i'll say okay what about thinking of technique so if it's rowing think of of long of long arms um, and then then think of the three phases of the rowing stroke. So you, you know, you're going to catch, you're going to engage the legs, and then you're going to pull back, and then you're going to recover. And really, and, and just try and think through those different phases. Get them, image them in your mind, and and so on. Or in running, is the classic, I think, to to imagine or to watch someone's feet in front of you, and and try and hook, synchronize your feet to their running, and think of running smoothly, and then the the run tall type things, and all those sort of techniques. But they find it so difficult. And yeah. uh, how has that gone with some of the sports you've, you've or athletes you've used? Well, and, and what's interesting you, on that, Andy, I think, is, is it, it has actually been made even more difficult for some people because of wearable tech. Hmm. Is that, you, you know, I think we've, we've had this chat over, over Twitter before, you know, about how it, it, has, it, it has ruined running for some people, you hmm. know, having a watch yeah. on. And knowing what what your kilometer pace is and, and what it, what your heart rate is and what's going on, and so I think you know from and, and you know I built my career on on that you know that's what mm. in the early days exercise physiology that's what it was it was it was understanding those those zones understanding you know what was the heart rate anaerobic threshold what pace are we looking at are we looking at stochastic you know variable pace going through are we looking at square all those sort of things they are incredibly important but it's how you use them, which I think is key. And, and if you take a look at it, I think one of the big problems actually is that the whole of, 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 of sport has been infected by it, particularly linear endurance sport in general. And so you look at bikes now, you know, you've got power meters, you've got, you know, you've got your, your GPS on, so you've got speed, you've got power, you've got your heart rate, you've got your cadence. I mean, death by data is what it is, mm. you know, and, and for some people that's great because they live by it and they love it. And they, and I think the difference is they know how to use it. They know when it's important, but for others, it can absolutely destroy it. So again, I think it comes down to that bespoke approach. It's understanding uh, what it is. And I think the, the biggest danger, and, and I see this in, in my own training, uh, I think the, the biggest danger is when you set a goal for a session. And when we talk about those goals, I mean, I've got, Mm -hmm. uh, you know if you, if you work with me you have a, a goal for a session it's not this is not a three-month yeah. goal or a six-week goal it's a session goal um and, and you know on a long run what i'm trying to do is hold race pace um mm. hold race pace for those long runs and and i, I do this thing called um, reverse periodization so I, what mm -hmm. i do is i'll increase it uh, mm -hmm. at, at race pace as we go through so 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 that you know what you're trying to do is actually hit each kilometer mark or mile mark at a given pace and mm. i think the, the the thing that i see in myself and actually see in a lot of people that i work with is that as soon as they start to slip away from that goal it's a disaster it's the mm. worst run they've had it's absolutely mm -hmm. horrible and the negative feedback they then get from that so they're out for a 20 miler and and the target is five minute kilometers Mm -hmm. uh, and all of a sudden like they've gone through the half marathon in bang on time 145 and then all of a sudden they start to slip off that and it goes to five five oh five five ten oh that's it mm -hmm. rubbish rubbish session absolute disaster worst session i've had oh I, I'm, there's no way i'm going to do this and, and all that sort of stuff instead of actually thinking look it's a 20 mile run and mm -hmm. what you run that 20 in you know what we're trying to target that 
But I think what you have to think is with those goals is that they are movable. And there are lots of reasons why, you know, you might, you know, what the weather is, what the topography of the, of the, the terrain is that you're going over, what you've done the day before, what happened with the family at the weekend. You know, I mean, the list goes on of what can impact on a single session. And I think the key is just to be able to use all of that information to make sure you make the right judgment call. Mm. And that is that, it, are you dropping off the pace because you're too lazy and you can't be bothered? Or are you dropping off the pace because actually there's a good reason to be dropping off the pace. Mm. And it still means that what you're getting from that 505, 510, you're still getting good quality uh, training impulse, which is making a difference to your, to your output, your outcome. Mm. So yeah, I think it yeah. is, it, it's, it's, about, it's about balancing that. And that, I think you know the difficult thing is for people who don't have experience. So the guys that are coming into these these environments really new, is it's very difficult for them to understand that. And I think again, that's where the coach makes a big difference is just to really nurture them through that process and say, you know what, it, it, listen, you, you finished the twenty, fantastic, and actually you went through the half in bang on on schedule, brilliant. Next time, what we're going to do, we do a twenty. We're going to try and squeeze that to fifteen, sixteen. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it becomes a, it becomes positive reinforcement instead of negative reinforcement. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of points that I, you know, good, I think are really good there. And I mean, with my athletes, it's kind of you want the process goal might be when it starts getting awkward, you need to switch on to what you're doing. And I quite like the, the if people go swimming. They haven't got all the distraction in front of them. They, these swimmers find no trouble at all to think about when it gets difficult to focus on the stroke. So you try, I mean, that's an encouragement. But what I then really like to then is to tie the goals in with the, the whole, not just the psychology of what your mindset is to focus on being, make the, make the here and now as best as possible, but actually go, actually your physiological effort is also, a, is an important part of this. And, and, you could be achieving five minutes per kilometer, but it could be at an intensity which is really unsustainable for anything but your one-off race. And so yeah. having those physiological goals, which say, well, actually, when I've when I've trained for marathons, I said, well, actually, and I've you know, I, you know, I failed to do three hours many times. And it but you've got to you've got to be able to kick through the hard bit and have something left for the end. And you could, I mean, I would go in the lab and find my thresholds and then push the thresholds and then train at, within the within the threshold, which is which you're going to do for marathons, which which in which I'd know my heart rate zone of 130 to 150. And I said, OK, well, my two hour runs are in 150. And if if I'm running at 147 and it's hard. And that's slow, then and it's slower than what I'm normal, but I'm doing 147, then I stick at 147 because that's yeah. the, that, is, that is achieving that goal. Because what I am doing is, you know, I then reframe it in my head to say, what my goal here is adaption, is progress. It's not to achieve, an, in the end, on the, on the race day, I'll, I am prepared to push to 150, 160 if need to. But on the training day, my goal is adaption. And, it's like, and this is the bit I think is really important for people to do, is to sit down beforehand and make sure they're clear what the goal is and stick yeah. to the goal and when I see that goal being achieved and the how you're going to achieve that goal because it stops you I mean I know it stops your mind racing to go um I um I uh I have um I uh I can't do that yeah 
I think what, what's interesting though, though, Andy, is that, you know, and, and herein lies the sort of debate you have, I mean, I have it constantly about how do you program? Do you program based on power output and speed? Or do you program on what is fundamentally the most important measure, and that is heart rate? Now, why, why, why you know, and I've been doing this three decades now, right? and, and that, to some extent, that was what you had at the time. Mm. You didn't have power meters. Uh, GPS was non-existent. Um, and so, therefore, we used heart rate. But the great thing about heart rate is it's a global measure of mm. physiologic function and physiologic intensity. So when you look at your heart rate, you know that's how hard you're working. Mm. What, what the speed output of that is, or the power output of that is, maybe something entirely different. Mm. You know, but what that, what that, and you're absolutely right. And what we're trying to do is bring about adaptation within that specific zone. So that on race day, what we then do is we become more economic. We can run faster at, 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 the, at the same relative physiologic load. And so, therefore, it becomes sustainable. You know, you're absolutely right. You know, if the gut, so if, if you look at my program, it's almost invariably based upon heart rate uh, when I program athletes, because what, what I want them to be able to do, what I want to see is what what, what what's your running speed at that physiologic mm. load? That's that's the more important question, mm. not how fast you know how hard can you push yourself to sustain a particular speed. You know, so I think it, it's just, it sounds a bit, you know, it sounds the same, but it's not. It's just flipping that around so that you never have a disappointing run. If you, if your, if your target is, if your threshold, you know, if you're looking for 140 to 150 uh, on, a, on a long run, you never have a bad run if you stay in 140, 150. If your target is five minutes a kilometer and you drop it down to 502, uh, you could see that as disappointing. And yet the, 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 the physiologic demand and the adaptation is optimal because you're in that zone where you're looking for. So I think, again, it's, it's the, the goal. Make sure the goal's right. Um, and, and that'll make sure that you deliver on that goal. Yeah, I, I, I like that part. I mean, the other part of your training, which is I like, and which is not, is that instead of for marathons, it's about sort of getting, a, getting accustomed to the pace and then growing the distance. Yeah. And what, um, I followed those sorts of training programs that week one of the training program isn't harder than week 12 by week 12 you've adapted into week one perfectly it's got no it's got no harder and all you've noticed as you've gone through is the progression your adaptation and that I think that's missing a lot of training in that what, you know, when I'm a psychologist and go out well, as people can make me confident and I then look, <laughs> try to make through their training, their training. And I, what I want is the training to make them confident. And then the, some of the techniques, imagery and goal setting, self-talk, yeah, they can work, but they won't work unless the, the, they won't work as well or they'll be still, they, they won't really work. Unless you've got that basis behind you, and so when where you where you've, them, got, yeah. you, you've got to have the adaptation and that utter confidence that and belief that you've got the, the progress. Um, but, you know, can... what's, what's key on that, Andy? I think it's absolutely bang on because you know, I, I talk about this sort of ad infinitum now, and that is this idea that that belief, confidence, motivation. You know, is one of the key ones. People often say, "Oh, yeah, how do you motivate people?" And, and I say, you know, with all of those things, with belief, with, so I, I just think about belief, commitment, mm -hmm. and motivation. It's a triumvirate, but it's self-fulfilling. And that is the, the, the first and most important thing is that you believe that you can do it. Mm. 
Now, if on week one, what you do is you go out, if, you know, if you're marathon training, and on week one, you go out for a 20 miler as your first week's training, uh, and you basically crumble. Uh, you, you give up at 13 miles and uh, you can't run for the next five days because you're in, you've got such bad doms. Um, there's not a great deal of belief that's going to be developed from that. And because of that, you then start to think, oh, I'll never be able to do it, never be able to. So what you then start mm -hmm. to do is commit less. So you don't commit the time, mm -hmm. the resources, the effort. And because of that, you then don't see the results. And because you're not seeing results, motivation goes down. Motivation goes down, your belief goes down, your commitment goes down, and all of a sudden it becomes, it's descending. Whereas actually what the training program should be doing is actually developing that belief. And that is, you know, I'll tell you what, let's, what's, what's race pace? You know, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. um, week one, we're going to go out for a 5K at marathon race pace. Look at that, yes. you can do 5K, boom. And you're thinking, well, 5K, I mean, it's still a long way off 42, but actually I can do 5K. The next week you're on 8K. Well, look at that, I'm an 8K, we're, we're progressing, tick, you know. And because of that, that belief starts to come. You then think, we can do this. You start to commit yeah. more. And as you commit more, motivation rises. So I think the key for everyone to remember is that these aren't innate, you know, things that, that people have. Oh, he's very motivated. He's not very motivated. What he's done is he's developed a strategy to enhance his motivation. You know, and I think we have to build and create when it comes to belief, commitment, motivation, and things like confidence and whatever words we want to use, they are created, they're not innate. Yeah, they are. Um, and, and I think the person's got, got to be fairly active in that monitoring program to see those benefits um, and, not, and be realistic as to why they've, got, they've made improvements. Um, because I think one of the fragile, the fragile base of performance is when someone psychs themselves up as a one as a really quick performance and expects them to do that every week. Because yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's not going to happen unless they psych themselves up to the same way every week. And that isn't that realistic either. And that isn't people yeah. don't look on a lot. They say, well, I'm not, I need to get more mentally tough. You don't really need mental toughness. You need to accept where you're at physically. I mean, I, I do work with people say, can you help me? Um, overcome fatigue and i say yep and so i'll be able to run and not get tired nope okay well what will happen because what will happen is is that you will be running to the point where it hurts again all right it'll just be a quicker place right that's all that happened you'll run quicker you won't overcome it and what that fatigue is doing is it's it's a it's a evolved mechanism to say stop going well, our body can't cope but you'll push and what i'll teach you to do is learn to interpret that as that's what I, that's where I need to be. That's not where I'm not going to be because if you're not at the point in in many race in almost any race at some point at that point, you could have gone quicker. Yeah, You've gone quicker. And I, you, I, you know, know what? It reminds me. It was a great conversation. When I was an athlete, uh, I, I remember having a conversation with a mate of mine. He was a quick runner, quicker runner than me, and I, I was a quicker swimmer than him. And he, I remember him saying to me, like, "Whitey, I'd love to be able to swim as quick as you, man, because it, it just." It just wouldn't hurt as much. And I said to him, are you crazy? I said, I am hurting just as much as you are. The only difference is it hurts for less time. And, mm. and, and, that, and that's the truth of it. Is you, watch, you, know, you, watch, you watch the boys running 205 on a marathon, and they're not, it might look like they're comfortable, but they are hurting exactly the mm. same as the guy who's running 420. And, and to my mind, it's why I always look, I watch, you know, watch, you watch the big city marathons, and I am 
utterly inspired by the guys who are running the four, four and a half hours mm. because they are in the same purgatory as the two hour runner for twice as long. Yeah. Now that's mental toughness right there. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it, I think if people sort of misunderstand that, that, mm-hmm. that relationship, you know, it, it's, and, and of course, to my mind, you know, what people say, you know, why train hard? Well, there's two reasons why you train hard, in, in my opinion. The first one is that the harder you train, the more you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that and, and to some extent, that's because you've learned what misery is. And, and I, you know, this idea of a misery gauge is that you, you've mm-hmm. actually reset that misery gauge. So you know where the misery is number one and number two is you get to the pint at the end that little bit quicker and so you'll be sat in the pub while other people are still out on the course and that you know that, that, that's two great reasons to train really really hard enjoyment and a quicker finish and uh, and I, I mean you've hit the point a real good point there is and, and what people who run slowly do don't give themselves credit for their mental toughness and the fact that the uh, the, the exercise and intensity is how hard can I push which is not, and how hard can I push is not the same as how fast can I go? Because if you're, if you are a machine like Mo Farah or Usain Bolt, that when I hit the how hard can I push, I can even go for a very long time or a very fast and short time. But you know, um, when you see some of the people at the London Marathon who, with two, as they get to um, Tower Bridge, two, two out, two and a half hours in. And then, I mean, I've I've done the London Marathon. I've, I've, as I've gone up over the bit, I think it's about 17 miles, you look across and you see people yeah. coming over and they, they look haunted. And I, and I yeah. thank, I thought, I'm so pleased that I've got not that long to, not that long to go. And I've just got, to, I'm at, you're, at, you're at the point where you, in my head when I've got to that is I can grind this out. No, no matter how hard it will be, I'm there. I wouldn't, and the look to see there and they look, they look worse than me. But they haven't got past the halfway mark yet. And that, and that's so the and it's and you think and you guys so you have to utter respect for them and it but it is about people giving them giving themselves permission to say that was really tough and rewarding themselves to say you have overcome great amount of toughness irrespective of time. I think I mean some of the um, I worked with you with Christine Bleakley on the challenge and yeah, she was incredibly tough on herself and when yeah. we did some work with with her he thought. You know, she was falling in all the time. It was cold. It was difficult. Water skiing across the channel. This was not a skill set that there's any background towards. And you think, well, the, what what way to get some hope into that? And the hope, if there was a bit of hope, I remember thinking, well, what point you're going to stop? What what point will you decide I'm not picking the rope up again? Yeah, she yeah. said, oh no, yeah. none. I said, there we go. I remember thinking, crikey, we've got some. This this is our mechanism here. That she's not going to give in. I mean, yeah. yeah, I can go out on Strictly. Yeah, I can go out and one show. And yeah, I can pick that rope up. And you thought, once so you get a, a hook into the beliefs that people have got, and and I think people could um, uh, draw more confidence out of their own successes far more without judging about how good it is in relation yeah, to others. And it is that. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Andy? Because I think it's actually, um, it is this 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 idea of what is success i think you know it drills into that doesn't it and i think some of the problem is that we you know we, we live in a very successful nation we just watch the olympics and the paralympic games and we talk all the time about gold and the gold rush and even programs are called the gold rush you know and it's all about medals yeah. and places and, and and what we're doing and i think in that add on top of that what you know 
talk about the marathon, but actually we can talk about the park run. You know, what, 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 what time did you go? What was your time? And I think what, we've become obsessed by metrics instead mm. of actually thinking about what, what, you know, if you've never run a 5K before and you turn up to the, 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 the park run and you run around a 5K start to finish, that is an enormous, enormous success whether it has taken you an hour and 15 minutes or whether it's taken you 15 minutes, you know, it's an incredible success. And I think it's just, it's just rowing back, I think, away from, you know, takes talks about wearable tech and all that sort of stuff. It's rowing away from the metrics and actually just thinking about what, what, what am I going to be pleased with? You know, what's mm. my success? What's my marker of success? And it is actually about, you know, I mean, to, to some extent, it's why I love doing ultras is that, nobody ever asked you nobody asked me what time i did at the marathon this arm mm. um because it, it's it, irrelevant mm. <laughs> did you get round? i made it to the finish you know, mm. brilliant. you know and so i think but i think we need to do that in the short distances as well forget you know yes as a personal from a personal perspective if i'm mm. you know if you're looking to take your 5k down from an hour to 55 minutes that's a very personal goal what you don't want to do is take that and compare it to others i think that's where the difficulty comes I, I agree completely. I think that that once you've learned about yourself and that you've, what you're capable of, and then you establish a challenge around that, and a, and I think things like courses, you've got to establish on the course you're going to do it on because they all vary. And park run, I, I've done, I don't know how many park runs I've done, four hundred and something. That, that's a lot. And if I wanted to do a, if I now I'd look if I, if I want to do a fast fast time, I'll go on a slightly short one. And one with fewer turns, and I mean, you just got ironing out the bits. You go, well, hold on. So you're you're going to do this time because of, and then you just pick all the factors to make it go quick. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, as also, opposed... what you do is you ta you taper for a month before it as well, instead of actually having done the park run the week before and, and, and run as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything would change. You know, you take a day off work before it. You make sure your carbohydrate loaded or what, you know, whatever yeah. it is that that makes you go quicker. You would you would put everything in place, you know, and, and again that's that's how you interpret performance. You you have to interpret performance in the rounds. You can't just look at it, you know, as as a as it's not the same run every time you go out. You know what what's the, what are the factors that, that are going to impact on that performance? Actually, that to my mind is the learning process. Is actually that if if at some point you want to do your best run ever by understanding the factors that impact on your run performance it that will much it, you'll be much better able to 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 institute those and actually optimize your chances of, of a very quick run yeah. of a pv you know so it's a learning process constantly yeah and i think if there's one of the key things i think we've pulled i think we've pulled out is is that is the that, to, that training is about learning about your body trying to recognize adaptation trying to set goals regarding what progress you can make i think trying to see where the where the progress is in terms of i think physiological adaptation is really important and i think heart rates are useful and i mean and then i often think people can little little gems to throw into that is to go you know when it's a really hot day you get a higher heart rate take your judge take the judge off a bit really why yep. it's hot because your heart's pumping a bit more guess why push the heat out Yep. um and and so on just but you then those bits of learning about yourself instead of learning about yourself instead of evaluating and judging yourself and then if you get negative by it just to kind of accept that's because you want to try really hard but not 
judge too much that it, you're, it's hell and damnation occurs for you as an athlete as a consequence, well, which we it, hear. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, what, what I think what we have distilled this down to, Andy, is actually about it is about personal. It's about you as a runner, you know. And I think that's the mm. thing. Whether whether it's from the programming, whether it's the goal setting, whether it's the the racing, you know, it is it is about you as an individual. And I think what what we you know you know. God, I mean, and, and how many people would you talk to about Strava? Or oh, where, where are you on the Strava list? Well, it, it's almost an irrelevance. Mm. <laughs> it really is an irrelevance. It matters on the day at a race, you know, if mm. you are looking to win it, where you come does matter. But many people don't do that. And I think mm. it is about making it as, as bespoke as possible. And everybody's journey, uh, that terrible word that people use, journey, but everybody's journey is different. Uh, and mm. I think what rather than make sure that you're on your rails, and me and a mate of mine, uh, we often talk about this. Look, drive in your lane. Don't worry about what the Ferraris are doing in the fast lane. You know, don't worry about what the juggernaut's doing behind you. Just do what you do and do it to the best that you can do it. Now, at some stage in the future, you might move from the slow lane into the into the middle lane, maybe into the fast lane. But but that will be because of your personal journey, not because you're looking at it thinking, I, you know, first year at running marathons, I should be over there running two mm. thirties. Well. If you are, good luck to you, lads. <laughs> Some going, but keep it personal. And I think if you mm -hmm. do that, invariably you get a much more positive atmosphere that, that you'll be training and competing in. The um, fast lane is no relative of mine, by the way. Not at our age, mate. Not at our age. No, no, no. Lane, you see, lane, lane. Oh, I see. Yeah, I missed that. Oh, yeah. Dad I know. Joke, yeah. Um, yeah, lost my. So, Greg, I think we've um, I think um, we've got listeners captivated. Um, where where can they? What are you, what are you up to right now? Not right right now, but generally in work. Yeah. And where where can people um, find you um, to find more about your work? Well, do you know what? It, it was one of those things in in lockdown. Um, somebody obviously, well, it's it's one of those things. I, I about two years ago, I did this thing called the Norseman, which is a, um, mm. an ultra, they call it an extreme triathlon. They call it the toughest triathlon on the planet. That's what they call it. Um, it is tough. Um, and we made a film about it. And actually, so um, that film is out there on my channels. Um, and, but I, I, in a moment of weakness, I went in for the ballot for another race called the Patagon Man, uh, which is in Patagonia in Chile. Same sort of thing, extreme triathlon. Um, having said after the Northman, I will never do another one of those. <laughs> Here I am. Um, so actually, yeah, yeah. This, you've this said December, that many a time before. I've never I know, done. That's you know. the trouble. <laughs> yeah. There's something loose up at the top here, but um, but yeah. So uh, December, we've got Patagon Man, which I'm oh. now, you know, currently and have been for a number of months now, uh, prepping for. So we've just uh, I've just finished the the, the last meso cycle uh, and about to move into the next meso cycle which is sort of the the, the, the pre-competition which is slightly different in in this mm. sense because what i do now is go really long uh, and really long bricks so so it's it's quite an unusual approach but that so that that's that's currently what we're doing and and, and i mean you can follow that sort of stuff by far the best place is the whiteanswer.com nice cup of tea You're, someone's bringing you tea no one brings me tea. <laughs> um <laughs> If you can just tell them to the white the white answer dot com yeah, white yeah. Uh, and and there's loads I mean there's loads and loads of content on there and I think there's there's ways in which you can ask questions as well and people can can compose questions and and actually ask for stuff and 
so yeah and obviously social media which you know we love social it's media a, <laughs> love social media <laughs> up and downs of social media yeah i yeah the um the um i take a lot of abuse in my life but i don't see social media being the, the cause of it and a lot of people say so and you just choose to engage with people and i think people can learn a lot from having a chat with this and uk run chat we're putting this podcast out have a lovely chat hour a couple of times a week and i've joined in for that and i think you get a lot of good stuff there yeah so greg in it's been emotional yeah but i I'm welling up as we speak, mate. Yeah. I'm <laughs> That's good. It's been okay. great, mate. Thanks for having me on, mate.